Hi, this is Jim Martin, and this is my encouragement note number 64. First, the list of five. Dare to bring your empty hands. I was in middle school in a small Christian school. Many of us had been together since the very early grades. A girl who had been in our class moved away to another state. The following year, she wrote a letter to the class. A teacher read it aloud. And in her letter, she mentioned how much she missed everyone, naming more than a few classmates. I remember feeling embarrassed and exposed when the letter ended and my name was not mentioned. Of course, being a self-conscious and insecure adolescence has a way of heightening the importance of even the smallest event. And by the way, please don't read this thinking I have moved past all self-consciousness and insecurity. I haven't. On that day, I was focused on my name, on hearing my name. My name has evolved. My birth certificate says that my name is James. And as a child, both at home and at school, I was called Jimmy. At some point early in college, my name became Jim. Yet today, on most personal legal documents, I sign James. And one day when I die, the name on my headstone in the cemetery will probably be James. Your name is known by the living God. You are precious to him. He has the most intimate knowledge of your life, even down to knowing how many hairs are on your head. He says to his people, Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. <clears throat> I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He knows your name, your thoughts, your feelings, and yes, all that you have said or done. Yet, even with full knowledge of who you are, he still desires a close, intimate relationship with you through his Son, Jesus. To each one of us, he still says, Come, John 6.35. Maybe it's just me, but at times I have shown more concern as to what others might think about me than what God might think about me. Can you relate to this? I may want others to know that I am worth knowing. Some examples. I may perceive myself as important. Look at my title. Look at my network. Look at my important job. Or second, I may perceive myself as someone who ought to be noticed in some way. For some people, this means hoping that others might see them as attractive, handsome, youthful, desirable. Third, I might perceive myself as, as successful. Look at my salary, my car, my house. Look at the neighborhood we live in. Look at what I've done in my life and where I've been. Perhaps this is our attempt to stay in control and to create the image we want. Yet this way of managing our lives is typically a dead-end street. What if, instead, we looked to God as the source of of the nourishment and life that we need. Know this. 
Number one, God carries you in his arms and holds you close to his heart, Isaiah 40, 11. Just listen to the affection he has for you. God is with you and God wants your empty hands. Second, God will give strength to you and me when we are weary, when we are weary and, and will bless us in our weakness. Unlike myself, he is not stressed or tired. Don't try to prove how strong you are. God wants your empty hands. And third, God encourages us not to fear. He will help us and uphold us. God wants your empty hands. Sometimes very early in the morning, I hold my empty, outstretched hands in front of me as I pray. This is a reminder to me that I have no room for pride in approaching God, but am completely dependent on His provision. Yet this awareness is exactly what God wants from me and you. Second, how do you deal with challenges? I watched at the way this leader functioned within the group. Instead of inspiring confidence, he created more anxiety. He had a nervous laugh that often came out at, at inappropriate times. If there was a problem that needed to be addressed, his language sometimes escalated the situation. He regularly referred to various organizational problems as disasters or tragedies, and this only served to heighten the anxiety of the group. Meanwhile, I watched as another person led a group. He had a calming effect on the group and led these people in effective problem solving. He listened well, he inspired hope, and he was very effective. Warren Bennison, Robert J. Thomas, asked this question, Why is it that certain people seem to naturally inspire confidence, loyalty, and hard work, while others who may have just as much vision and smarts stumble again and again? They concluded that the answer was found in how these leaders dealt with extreme physical or psychological challenges. Benison Thomas observed, quote, One of the most reliable indicators and predictors of true leadership is an individual's ability to find meaning in negative events and to learn from even the most trying circumstances. Put another way, the skills required to conquer adversity and emerge stronger and more committed than ever are the same ones that make for extraordinary leaders. Whether we perceive ourselves to be leaders or not, we need to be aware of how we tend to deal with adversity. So how do we respond to these life challenges? Physical health challenges like chronic pain or maybe a debilitating illness, or marital challenges, deception, affairs, perhaps the commitment on the part of, of one or mo both spouses is waning, financial challenges, job loss, living above our means, poor investments, emotional challenges, depression or intense anxiety, and then, of course, spiritual challenges, deep wounds from a church quarrel and unexpected death. Will we 
respond in faith? Will we develop the grit and the stamina and the perseverance that comes from trusting God in the middle of these challenges? When facing adversity, number one, bring this adversity before God in prayer, naming the problem and honestly expressing its impact on you. Number two, pray, yes, pray for relief, but let's also pray that we might allow this adversity to form us into a godlike people. Third, let us trust in God's unfailing love. Our adversity does not change God's character. His unfailing love is still present. And number four, know that the Lord's goodness will ultimately prevail. We can praise him for his goodness. I suspect you know everything I've just mentioned. There's no secret to dealing with adversity or challenges. Rather, we need to go back to what we might know and allow our souls to be shaped by this God-centered perspective. Number three, a moment that inspires me to be kind. Did you see the video of a little league picture, pitcher who hit an opposing batter in the head with a pitch? This took place at the Little League Southwest Regional Championship in Waco, Texas. The 12-year-old batter, Isaiah Jarvis, was hit by a baseball in the head, leaving him lying on the ground. The pitcher, Caden Shelton, was clearly shaken. Isaiah was apparently okay and made his way to first base to the applause of the crowd. Then seeing that Caden was shaken, Isaiah left first base and made his way to the pitcher's mound. He hugged this opposing player and attempted to console him. They appeared the next morning in an interview on CNN. Quote, I wanted to go over there and spread God's love and make sure that he's okay and make sure that he knows I'm okay and that I'll be okay, Isaiah told CNN Wednesday morning, appearing on New Day alongside Caden. Hey, you're doing great, Isaiah said in a video that's gained widespread attention as strangers everywhere have praised the young man's show of sportsmanship. It felt like he cared. Caden said when asked about Isaiah's hug. I also cared about him. And that just showed that baseball is sportsmanship, and there's a lot of sportsmanship in baseball. Well, this video went viral. I think there is something in us that longs to see goodness in most any form. And on that day, it was in the form of sportsmanship. Perhaps this is a reminder to not pass up opportunities for kindness. This week, we may just have such an opportunity. Number four, our present opportunity. And this is especially for ministers and other church leaders. Frederick Beekner died recently. Beekner, a prolific author, was someone who I read regularly as a young minister. I first became acquainted with Beekner's work many years ago at a preaching conference where a speaker read from Beekner's book, Telling the Truth. Quote, The preacher pulls the little cord that turns on the lectern light, 
and deals out his note cards like a riverboat gambler. The stakes have never been higher. Two minutes from now, he may have lost his listeners completely to their own thoughts. But at this minute, he has them in the palm of his hand. The silence in the shabby church is deafening because everybody is listening to it. Everybody is listening, including even himself. Everybody knows the kind of things he has told them before and not told them. But who knows what this time, out of the silence, he will tell them. This quote is a reminder that the preaching moment matters. And if you preach, you're in some way attempting to help people discover or rediscover God. By the way, even if you're not a preacher, but you're a Christ follower, the same is true. At times, the preacher may feel sluggish and tired, but the preaching moment matters. There are times when the preacher may feel discouraged and down. Even then, the preaching moment matters. My nourishment will probably not come from the next great idea about church or the story that is sure to get a laugh. Maybe the very best thing I can do when I don't have much left in my tank is to sink my roots deep into scripture or, or another resource that will point me to God. My nourishment will come as I sink my roots down into the character, goodness, and grace of God and quietly remain there. As my good friend Mike recently noted, more ministers need to return to the writings of people like Eugene Peterson. Right now, we can keep on discovering God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Then, as we teach or preach, we help those whom we serve discover this same God. I want to encourage you to read the reading and listening resources that are in the encouragement note. I want to thank you for listening to this encouragement note. Thank you so much for just the, the, the grace of giving this your time and your attention. I hope in some way this encouragement note has been a blessing to you. I hope you have a great week.